Hello and welcome to the Being Human podcast. I am your host, Cara Jean. And what I want to bring you with this podcast is the experience of meeting a group of individuals who are close friends, colleagues, and fellow enthusiasts of things that I like doing in my life. Many of these humans are going through the experience of being locked down in Melbourne and New South Wales and then a few people spread out throughout the world that have been through this experience of what it is to live through a pandemic and sharing their words of wisdom and hope for this time. I hope this podcast inspires you, brings you to joy and allows you to feel connected to others during a time of disconnection. Awesome. Uh, hi, everybody. Welcome to the Being Human podcast. I'm super stoked to have a good mate, a coach, a fellow uh, teacher with me on today's uh, today's podcast. So Jack is a good friend of mine, fellow mover of many things, um, and a craftsman at his at what he does and figuring things out, which is why I think that we aligns well so I'm super excited to have him on just to share some insights about yeah I guess his idea on what it is to be human which is a very deep <laughs> deep subject with quite a lot of layers um but yes I'll get Jack to introduce himself um in terms of who he is whatever he wants to say that he is and uh, we'll kick off from there cool thanks Cara it's a, it's a pleasure to be on here talking to you um and sharing um sorry if you hear my dog in the background running around um i um well, my main objective is to share my understanding of the nervous system and of living well and i guess i do that through a few different avenues so the main one would be movement hey yeah, stop it stop it I'm so sorry. He's literally chasing a fly around the room. It's just ridiculous. Nero is the cutest little dog, by the way, for anybody listening. He's so cool. <laughs> yeah, he's a special, a special kind of cool. Um, so, yeah, movement is the main thing. Oh, I'm so, so sorry, Kara. This is... Go. I'm so sorry. He was settled in his bed um, okay, and then he just kicked off after a fly. And I was like, I'm going to do this now. Otherwise, it's just going to keep throwing a spanner in the whole thing. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, helping people understand their nervous system and helping people live well, because those have been the things that have been relevant in my life. Um, Movement is the main tool or reference point. Um, I've got a lot of interest in somatics and identity or the idea that the way you move habitually um, gets tied in with who you think you are and how you think you're supposed to act in the world. And so movement is the reference point. It's the way to, to see how we are, how we exist. And that could be body tension that you carry around with you. It could be the way you express yourself or you don't physically. 
It could be the kind of physical practice you're interested in. Some people love yoga, some people love swimming, other people love banging weights and sprinting and running and fighting. So all of these things, understanding um, how to do them well and with the whole self, to me, um, can help us loop back to how we're living. And I guess in the short of it, that's, that's pretty much what my life is about just sharing little lessons and realizations from exploring that and from guiding others occasionally. Yeah. And we've had heaps of heaps of chats about this um, in many different levels. And I think the part that I love about it the most is um, knowing that there's also not one right way, right? Which I think traditional fitness methods maybe tell us this is the best way to get x outcome or you know for instance you know you and I both also yoga teachers but come from backgrounds which are strength and conditioning first and foremost dabbling in a bit of x-fit crossfit that sort of realm of things and then going into more yoga movement spaces and knowing that throughout periods of time those all may have their place to help somebody figure out what their system does, what it needs to do for a particular sport outcome. Um, because there are certain ways that you can only get to be able to do something through a strength and conditioning program. It's not that I would be able to, I don't know, climb Mount Everest with just doing my breath work and having cold showers. And I would need to do some training for that, but also that I wouldn't be able to do that had I not focused on, you know, the energetics of my life and what I surround myself around. And I definitely think that's something that we've, we've spoken of and not that you and I also want to bring too much about what this time is living in Victoria during, you know, the old mate C word, as I like to call it. Um, but knowing that <laughs> whatever way you want to take that, whether, yeah, anyway, um, is that knowing that, Absorbing too much of that information also can play a role in us not sitting in the the here and now, which means that we miss we miss parts parts of it. Um, and the best way of explaining it is like following a recipe and not quite getting the outcome that you wanted because you didn't. Um, what word am I looking for? I didn't organically follow the steps how I felt in tune to do. So I just kind of followed the steps. And then I'm like, I get to the end point. I'm like, well, that's not the outcome that I wanted. And knowing that part of being human is there's so many ways that we all figure something out. Does that make mm. sense? Yeah, totally. Totally feel you. It's um, if we find ourselves kind of like living on this landscape, it could be, you could, you could see it as reality and that's made up of, many different factors, like your own perception, the things outside of you in your environment, the people you surround yourself with, world events, your practice, that's all part of your reality. Then it's really difficult to, it's really difficult to follow the steps or follow someone else's path. And it's also really difficult to know when you're following your own and what your own is. So navigating that map, navigating the landscape of reality, it's like, you can take lessons from all kinds of teachers and disciplines, but at the end of the day, yeah, you, you're right. You have to tune into your own human compass, like your own feeling. Um, 
And yeah, I think that the most interesting part of this whole practice and the time we live in is combining the two, like using our technical knowledge and using that just intuition. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's interesting. And I think you and I have had a few chats about this before where you, you see that in a student or someone that you teach when they go from being somebody that's just like, I'm going to follow everything um, Jack says or Cara says. And, and we had a chat about this in the beginning when I was getting some coaching from you is you said, oh, I want to pull away from very much like telling somebody this is what they have to feel or this is what they have to do and see and letting them also have the conversation with me about what they're thinking, feeling, seeing and that in that they learn so much more like they don't just learn from me constantly going I want you to I don't know for instance do push-ups four times a week because that's what I'm telling you to do because that gravitates that person's emotions to if I don't do push-ups I don't know if we wanted to go really over the top I'm not a good person so then they live the rest of their life thinking all of their choices are this person that doesn't do x amount of push-ups per week and it becomes this energetic overflow of negativity whereas um and not that we need to be positive all the time either I think there's too much spent on I always needs to be one or the other but we don't become very investigative we don't become much of an investigator in that space of being super positive because there's that bliss and that overwhelming like experience of joy which I don't think lets us investigate but then there's that middle ground where you take things for what they are mm. yeah yeah it's the thing what stands out to me about that analogy is like we we orient ourselves around different things at different times you know like I can relate to that whole push-up idea of like if I don't know maybe it's like hey I set myself this challenge or this mental expectation that I'm going to do like 50 push-ups a day and and maybe like that's my connection to consistency that's my connection to growth and I associate that with being true to myself and showing up for myself and then yeah like something happens life changes you miss a day of push-ups um you get thrown off the bandwagon you think you fucked up you think that's a big problem it's a huge setback um but equally, maybe it's just a sign that there needs to be another, another way of finding a connection to yourself and showing up and that that has to be flexible. Um, mm. Yeah. In regards to training, um, that's been huge for me um, over the years. Like I used to be very much attached to a particular style because, and that was like strength training. It felt like um, a way to be consistent and a way to consistently build myself but it's, it's almost like using a hammer for every possible problem. Like, oh, I have a hammer. I'm going to try and paint a picture with the hammer. <laughs> like it doesn't really work. And then, yeah, the flow on is, it's almost like sticking to your system that's been holding you down in a good way, holding you down, like anchoring you, like push-ups or weightlifting could also be the same mindset as, as sticking to positivity, no matter what, even when the world's saying, hey, let's let's like, bring this down a peg, look at what's actually going on, accept that there are some problems and then take an action and grow from it. But you got to know when to kind of step a little bit off, step to the side 
be less positive, do less push-ups. <laughs> <Do less training. laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. But also that that experience is is valuable to have for yourself. I think too, like working particularly in our space where there are so many, and I used to get this in one of the spaces that I worked at where there were so many amazing coaches and I was like, oh, I need to take on everything that they're telling me to do and I need to try and be like them because that's a great coach and I need to emanate that person. And then one day, um, one of them turned around, uh, a good friend of ours, Joe Fallon, and was just like, mate, what, what the fuck? Like, why are you trying to be like one of not what one of us but why aren't you figuring things out for yourself and how you understand them which allows you to also pass on the message to others that it's all okay to figure things out for themselves as well and I think that's something within we take fitness as a physical practice that people tend to just follow because they think it's the right thing to do and they're scared that oh if I don't do my 50 push-ups a day I'm going to lose lose everything which I definitely thought in the beginning you know if I didn't squat and deadlift five times a week well there was no point in training at all and the world was going to be abysmal if I didn't but then what I slowly learned is hey there's actually other things outside squatting and deadlifting which is relationships and conversation and also stillness and time alone that also grow me as a person to not be so obsessed with having markers for my life as well I think we get really um, and you and I are both quite young as humans, but I think we've gone through a space of constantly wanting to have markers to knowing actually there doesn't have to really be any markers, although there has to be certain markers to keep us afloat living in human society where finances and blah, blah, blah become and play a role, but it's not the be all or end all of winning at the game, so to speak, like, winning it yeah. I mean how do you win life I don't even know how you win I was asking mum this the other day in a in a abysmal kind of moment of conversation when I was like mum I just don't understand what what the the game is when nobody really wins right it's just we're all here and coexisting but how do we how do we win <laughs> yeah yeah big question that one uh man it's like I found shifting things back to internal markers of experience and not always external is helpful. But as you say, like sometimes you need external markers. And so where's the balance? Like um, I think all of it's based on experience, right? And, and, and shifting or enriching experience. And that's like why we, that's why we start anything we do we start doing it because we think it's going to shift our experience for the better, but then we get lost in like the, the end goal or that we get sometimes lost in the result and we forget that the process was the thing that brought the result. So like when you, when you talk about winning or when you talk about finding markers or freeing yourself of markers, what comes up for me is um, shifting away from like the end goal a little bit and more into the process and it's not like the end goal doesn't matter. It's just like, if for some reason shit hits the fan and you still have a process which feels true and feels like you're growing from it, then even if the growth is up and down, 
you can kind of trust that there is growth or trust that you're devoting yourself to something with, with all of, all of your energy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. That's, that's almost, it's almost like a romantic idea, but that's almost the only way of winning that I think always works. Like the outward res- results might not be there, but like you can almost just be proud of yourself for like pushing the rock, so to speak. You know, like the myth of Sisyphus where he pushes the rock up the hill and then it rolls down again, like every single time. If it keeps rolling down again, eventually you, you probably just accept that that's part of it and you just start to try and find joy in the process of pushing it up and letting it roll down and like unburden yourself of the expectation that you'll be able to keep the rock up the top of the hill and always be doing well, always like in the positive end. And then just think, oh, I'm going to, I'm just going to push. I mean, I'm going to enjoy the push. But yeah, mm. huge question. Can of worms. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I always think of one of my favorite books, which is um, S. Scott Fitzgerald's The Great Gatsby. And there's always this reference back to this green light that always comes up. And the green light doesn't really have any particular direct meaning in that moment or isn't really attainable, but it's constantly there in the background as a reminder that there's pull towards it and there's pull away from it so Mm. I can't remember now it's so bad because I've read the book probably like 50 times throughout my lifetime but the fact that the main character is drawn towards this hue of the green light that can be either they're quite prominent and he sees it quite close close to him or quite far away where it could be that he's getting closer towards the green light and then gets pulled back but it's this ever this ever occurring background pattern for him and it's not really associated with any particular thing that he's doing either it's just there the hue of constantly okay what has drawn me closer what has pulled me further away what allows me to yeah get closer or further away from it but um I like that idea now of yeah the the what if and the figuring it out and and that being for students as well I mean if we break it down to planes of movement there can be rigidity in our body where we avoid certain places like I am was talking to my physiotherapist the other day and he said you know your only your only issue Kara he's like you've learned to resist everything you're just a ball of like likes to resist things not in any particular way but you just like to resist like the the what if and know that you're doing something right so that you don't have to fear the what if but I think most of us if we spent a little bit more time delving in the what if we'd be open to a whole lot of new things my thought anyway yeah yeah definitely it's um It's a huge challenge, like staying open to the what if and at the same time having some way of feeling secure or safe in in what you know. Um, I've beaten myself up about it a lot before too. Like I've been on both ends. There's there's times when I'm really open to the what if and I'm just sort of flowing and, and let things happen and I seem to trust it. And then other times when it really feels like, no, I, I kind of need some structure. I need some strategy or I'm just going to be swallowed up by the what if. And it's just, it's always really interesting thinking about like the what if or the unknown 
it's kind of neutral usually like it seems like it's not sometimes it seems like the what if is going to be great or the what if is going to be terrible but it's always tied to your internal state so in that sense it's kind of neutral and then you're the one who decides how it's interpreted and what you do with it so your internal state and your decisions seem to have so much more power over the interpretation of the thing like if I imagine that um, for some reason I'm going to be locked up and thrown in a cell, but that I was really dedicated to my meditation practice and that I was sick of being distracted by all the noise, then I could see that potentially it's like the best thing ever. It's like a free pass to live in a, live in a cave and be a yogi, except that it's just been like given to me and I'll be rather than having to beg for my food, they'll just rock up and feed me every however many hours. And instead of a cave, I'll be like in a cell. But on another angle, that's like the worst thing ever, getting thrown in a cell, going to jail. It's like ridiculous. It's really interesting thinking of like, what's the, what's the worst case scenario in the what if? And like, who would you have to be for that worst case scenario to still feel like an opportunity rather than like a death sentence? <laughs> mm. and, then like, and then how do you become that person? And do you want to become that person? yeah it's it's interesting you bring up that analogy because when I moved to Scotland I was working in a um, youth detention high high security prison for 12 months and I um yeah was working with youth so people from the age of 12 to 18 that have been locked up for doing all sorts of awful things um well what society sees is awful um and I spent a night over like a stay overnight with all of them locked in a concrete cell did the whole thing had the experience of what it would feel like to be there and then had the conversation with the children and my because I had chosen to be there my view on it was a little bit more like a learning experience but interestingly enough there are a couple of children who had been constant repeat offenders who had been in there like five or six times for months on end mm -hmm having conversations with them and I was like what's your deal with here like what's what's your what's your deal with constantly ending up in in prison like I'm interested to know what's your kind of thought behind it and for a lot of them what it was safety because their outside world wasn't very safe but one of the kids once said to me one day he's like there's less factors to consider like I know at this time I've got to go to school because they had school day. He's like, I know at this time I'm getting fed. I know at this time there's this. He's like, there's so much less pressure and the chance where, and he put it really beautifully. He's like, I can notice the silent moments because all the loud moments are figured out for me. Like every other time that I'm not doing something that is loud, I'm allowed to have alone time. And then everything that has to be loud is decided for me. So I don't have to work out work out what's right what's wrong I just get given what I need to do and then every other time is me on my lonesome where I have the choice without external factors to do what I want to do which was sit in his room and be quiet that was his only only option so there was this real balance for him of you know loud time quiet time being told but also having huge choice which was I want to sit in silence because it's a choice. Now it was so interesting, a little 13 year old boy, but 
he taught me a lot. He was um very insightful for somebody that was um yeah in in there for a very long time. Wow, that's that's like that's yeah, super cool to hear from a 13-year-old. Sounds like he's been through a lot <laughs> or seen a lot. Um yeah, that's what what I often think of when I when I see people in situations where it, it doesn't look like there is much choice is that whatever choice they do make, because they're so limited, um, if they really own that choice and step into it fully, it can be very powerful. Whereas when we're not in a situation where we're being so obviously controlled or where if we're in a situation where choice feels easy, it's almost like we don't fully dive in. We just like dip our toe in the idea of choosing because we feel like we can just make another really easy decision later. But like when everything's laid out for you and it's like the wriggle room is, is squeezing in tight and the choice you make is like, it's like the only thing you have. And so like everything rides on the choice. It's, it's like an interesting comparison to the, the idea of creating urgency or necessity in your own life or in your practice, like making, making it a big deal that you do something. And, um, and how like often you don't make really big, strongly affirmed decisions until you've been in a really challenging place where like you feel, you feel you're not left with many choices or many options. Um, like in my own life, implementing new practices or habits. Um, for instance, like going for a cold swim every morning wouldn't be something that I would usually do when, I'm, when things are okay, when they're kind of comfortable. But when things feel difficult, the idea that I can choose to go for a cold swim, even though it doesn't seem like a super comfortable choice, feels like a really empowering thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like people too being, you know, really dedicated to say a rehab protocol for their body when suddenly there's very few choices right they can choose to not do it and not advance or totally. you get the individual to i'm somebody because i want to get back to not having pain in my body i'm like i'll do it seven times a day to the point where it becomes maybe the over choice where you're like car just calm down and maybe do it three times rather than seven but it becomes that immediate like this helps me get closer to x and this is now a, a choice Whereas before I had a choice along the way, but I still had some movement that wasn't restricted or painful. So I just kind of dabbled along the edge of like, yes or no, yes or no. But now it's like, do I want to end up having surgery or do I want to end up being against this brick wall where I can't do this anymore? No. So I'm going to nail, nail, the, nail the thing that yeah. teaches me something. Becomes quite simple. Like um, it's a lot. It's difficult. I really relate to that one. Um, and I always wonder, um, I wonder whether this is why like Western medicine or, um, late stage therapies or injury rehab does so much better and is so much more important. I, it, like, um, if anyone's listening, I'm doing like the, the, the finger thing, the parenthesis important, like, but we, we like these late stage things because we're really motivated to jump off rock bottom. We hit rock bottom and we're like, oh, am I going to stay here? I'm going to bounce off because it's not comfortable being here. It's like being thrust into a hot frying pan and the frying pan is the injury. You're like, I don't want to hang out here. So I'm okay. going to, yeah, like you said, I'm going to do the rehab. 
And then interestingly for me was like, do the fuck out of the rehab to the point where the rehab almost becomes toxic. And I'm just like winding myself into even more of an energetic pit because I'm working so hard and slogging myself. But yeah, you compare that to the things which seem softer. I'm doing the finger thing again, parenthesis, like softer, but are actually just earlier stage interventions, like, you know, breathing really well, going for a walk, being, being outside, smelling the roses when you walk past, having a nice coffee in the morning, like, that stuff, <laughs> if the training version of that, which is, hey, why don't you spend two hours today outside playing, climbing a tree, exploring your shoulders? It's like, who's going to do that? No one has time for that. But then they, they have time when it really hurts once they're in the frying pan and they need to jump out, even though by the time you get to that stage, it's like things are pretty bad. It's not ideal to have left it that long. So it's like, yeah, the, the degree of investment we have seems to be proportionate to how big the stakes seem to be and how urgent we make it in our heads. Mm, absolutely. And, you know, if we do bring one one thing back to, I guess, the current climate and situation now is you're seeing a lot of that in people, like suddenly people, again, quotations, have found time to do the stuff that is, Good for them, I, you know, sleep more hours or start a movement practice or get outside more because it's the only thing that we're in quotations allowed to do because people feel like they've pushed up against a brick wall with no choice. So they're starting to do those things. Whereas the other side of that is like dealing with the, the sadness and the frustration of the current the current situation and it's been very interesting and I'm sure everybody's had these chats with people around them where you've got the people that you know very big Aussie term soldier on so to speak and get on with it and think of it as this big heroic thing like oh now I'm getting outside and I'm starting a slow morning and I'm having conversations with friends and for those of us that are like oh we've been doing that for quite some time like creating energetic boundaries and making sure that we're mm. you know taking care of ourselves whereas now it's you can then go into that edge of being seen as a heroic duty when it really should, I think personally, just be part of learning to be human again, like learning that relationships and fresh air and, you know, yeah. know, eating food that takes you a little bit longer to cook versus going and buying something is better for you. But I think it doesn't have to, be an on and off switch either like that can just be something that you place in your learn to place in your every day we're basically just giving you good health tips really um but yeah that that idea of it should be a hue of normalcy rather than being on like and we've spoken about this before feeling like you're at either end of the spectrum like if you're not hitting yourself really hard and doing all of this work and productiveness then you you aren't that but knowing that that middle ground is like the perfect place to be where you're living your best self with the circumstances that you have doesn't have to be like the all or nothing approach yeah. I guess is what I'm trying to say yeah totally totally it's cumulative it's like compound interest and I feel I feel like the people who've been in this world of you know re-humanizing re themselves and their bodies or trying to um, 
reconnect with the the nervous system and and like health um and the people who've been doing that since before it became cool in the last like year or whatever <laughs> um tend to be people who just kind of like chip away just like little bits chipping away just consistently because like i know for you and me we've probably gone through so many loops of like being sick and tired or being unhealthy and then regaining our health and and then like fighting really hard and then not being able to fight any longer and then like slacking off again and eventually you realize it's better not to just throw everything at the wall and then collapse and then throw everything at the wall and then collapse it's better to just like yeah walk the middle ground be a bit more gentle be a bit more fun and intuitive so that you can keep going so that in a given year you spend more time both enjoying life and progressing pushing the boundaries a bit further yeah like it's it it makes me think of the old bulking and cutting thing you know (laughs) like like in year 12 when people went to the gym it's like oh i'm on a dirty bulk bro and then some some dudes just smashing kfc every day like um and then and the next thing he's basically starving himself and training twice a day to like cut it's like so much effort but the end goal is is probably worse than someone who's just like enjoying the gym eating pretty much normally not even like a bodybuilder just going because they like it and then in two years time they're healthy they don't have some metabolic issue and like they've made progress and they haven't (laughs) yeah and they look better and they have a more fulfilling life than their friend that's smashed and crashed and you know exactly doing all this stuff it's interesting that you bring that up because i um was speaking to my mum the other day, my mum's quite unwell, so I get to visit her in person at the moment. And she said to me, she's like, what are you doing? You look very different. Like you look sparkier and you look like more of a human. I was like, oh, I'm eating way more ice cream and I'm exercising a whole of a lot more, right? Which for me is maybe, or for a lot of us is maybe what the average person is doing right training three or four times a week and she's like oh you look so healthy and great I love how fitness is people are aware of that like to there becomes a point at which what we do when there's no play can become the toxic other end where you're constantly you know in fight or flight state again which is what we're trying to avoid but it's yeah it's all about balance totally totally Mm -hmm. it's yeah comes back to the experience again right if it's good if it benefits the human experience and if it seems like something that would benefit the human experience but you take it to excess and it no longer benefits you then it's no longer a good thing it's all like the dose right and the dose and the journey absolutely absolutely um is there any last, because you have so many beautiful anecdotes that you could share, like we could go on for hours, but is there any last little anecdotes that you would like to share with everybody about this time or something that you've learned about yourself in this time to share? You have a lot, but. Oh, well, thanks. thanks. <laughs> That's flattering, first off. Um, the thing that I'm, I'm not preaching here because like I'm in no position to preach, but the thing that's been helping me lately and I feel is generating um, peace across the board is just doubling down on the things which really fill my cup and help me to feel 
uh, like I'm living from the right place and living from the right mental state. And I think for, for those of us who help people or who would like to help people, maybe those of us who are in like trainer, coach jobs, um, sometimes we think we have to solve all the problems and it's a huge burden to take on. And what we have to remember is that enjoying our own lives and being a, a beam of calm and a beam of inspiration is what affects people more than us trying to always like carry all of the load. So sometimes just as a coach going out and having a good day, eating an ice cream, laying on the beach, and then, and then showing up with a bit more of a glow in your face might be the biggest thing you can do for the whole world. <laughs> Agreed. Here's, here's, here's the ice cream. <laughs> yeah, it's not a small thing. It's not an insignificant thing by any means. Makes a difference. It spills out, even if you don't realize how. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, where can people find you if they want to hear more of your stuff? Because you share awesome things. So. They need to more, more. I think. <laughs> um, my website is www.attuned.space. So A T T U N E D dot space. Um, my Instagram is underscore attuned. And those are the main ones. So the website links to a, a few YouTube videos, my blog. I like to write. Um, yeah. And um, so that's it. That's it. And if anything we've said resonates, I love having chats. So just send me a message. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome human. Definitely one to follow for sure. Um, I think Jack is extremely humble with the way that he holds himself and the way that he just goes about seamlessly interweaving his words of wisdom into everybody else's life. So great mate of mine and somebody that I definitely look up to he's quite tall as well which helps too <laughs> thanks so <laughs> thanks so much for coming on the podcast mate and it's been so lovely to chat thanks so much for having me yeah i really appreciate it and um yeah great to hear your thoughts as always thanks mate